Hi, I'm Marlon Walker, and I am live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I have got a call-in episode. I've got a couple of call-ins from some friends, from Jason Connerly and from Safer Fantasy Crafting, and I'm going to respond to them. Um, they're really centered on the kind of uh, Middle-Earth magic Gandalf episode, um, but uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to respond to some call-ins. Hey, Arlen, Jason here, calling you on the way home from work, listening to your latest podcast. I paused right before Safer's calls, so I didn't forget what I was going to tell you. Um, great discussion on Middle Earth and Tolkien. I really need to reread the trilogy and the similarities, the, you know, that book and The Hobbit again. Um, when I get done reading the six Dune books, I'll, I'll go to that. Anyhow... Um, I, I think he makes a great point. And a lot of time it's hard to adapt literature straight over to a game, right? So, unless it's a game specifically written for that literature, which, you know, are the games we're talking about. But I think the ability to have a warrior poet character is important. A character, in, you know, that ideal like what um, Kipling or Heinlein talks about, that well-rounded person, warrior poet kind of guy or gal, isn't always very easy to model in these games. One thing Middle Earth does, or Middle Earth role playing does, Merp does. I don't know about against Dark Master because I don't have that. But in Middle Earth role playing, it does kind of gate some of the skills behind certain classes. So certain classes learn certain skills easier. Anybody can learn anything, but if it's against your class, like weapon skills aren't for wizards or for the mage. So it's harder for a mage to learn weapon skills. But in theory, any class can learn any sp- any skills. And every class can cast some magic. Like low-level magic, which is kind of cool. RuneQuest does that too. But anyway, let me listen to Safer's um, calls. But I wanted to mention the warrior-poet idea. Which goes across a ton of societies. The warrior-poet idea does. Um, I just think of Kipling and um, Heinlein when I think of that. All right, my buddy Jason calling in. Uh, first off, I'm glad you enjoyed the episode, Jason. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun to record, partly because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Tolkien fan and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun episode on my part, so I'm really glad that it's gotten a, a positive response from the community in general, seems like. Um more specifically, um, to your call, and yeah, the sort of warrior poet, lawyer idea, I think, is uh, an interesting one. In Against the Dark Master, you actually can, um, basically, you can take two skill points from a different category and turn that into one skill point in a ca- in another category. So, like, you could take two points in, in armor and turn that into one skill point in lores. Um, I decided, well, if you've listened to my, um, Thalonmere character creation episode, you will know. Um, but what I decided was that basically, um, rather than do that for my character and end up with a character who kind of is a jack of all trades, master of none sort of character or that feeling that I would just basically add more uh, points total to that he gets when he levels up. So he gets, he gets uh, 
the basic number of points that the uh, I think it's the champion is the vocation, which is is basically like a, a spell casting warrior. Um, without a whole lot of spells, just just a tiny little bit of spell ability, but not much. Um, and uh, add to that uh, two points per level in roguery and four points per level in lores. Um, I think that's the the category that it's called lore. Yeah, um, so that he could basically get that um, warrior poet uh, status in some sense. Um, basically, to try to build him as a a character who is uh, more capable than the average. Um, warrior the average character in um of uh against the dark master since he's going to be fighting alone for um at least a portion of the time i don't know i might end up getting some companions or have like you know slot in companions have like one or two extra guys that like oh i showed up in the equivalent of rivendell and this elf guy is here so he can help me on this part of the journey and then he'll go away and then he'll come back later at a higher level and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do in terms of that. Um, but that's what I sort of decided on for my against the dark master solo character. Um, for other characters, I actually found out that there is a, um, there's an alternate vocation in the back of the book or near the back of the book called the sage that is a lore based character that doesn't have um, spells at all, which is neat. Um, I really like the sage character. I feel like that fits um, really well within the sort of vision of middle earth that instead of having to be a wizard in order to be good at, or as good as you can be at, knowing the kind of history and the lore and all that sort of stuff that you could play a sage and just be a sort of um, non-magical intelligent character essentially. Um, so I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. I, what else was in your calling? Um, yeah. I hope you enjoyed the against the dark master character creation episode. I hope that explains some of the, the stuff about against the dark master. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed the episode on middle earth stuff. You definitely, if you have not read uh, the Tolkien books recently, they're always a fun read um, in my opinion and uh, worth going back to, especially going back to, I found going back to them as an adult that, um, there are a lot. When I was a kid, what I really appreciated from the Lord of the Rings were things like the big battle scenes and stuff like that. And that's not really right. There's that there in it, especially in in some of the parts of the story and stuff like that. That there's you know, awesome moments of valor and heroism, but there's a real kind of deep thematic thread that runs through Tolkien's works. I think that is also really. Um, I'm really appreciative of as an adult that is really neat to, to go back to. So yeah, um, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go back to the Lord of the Rings also, because it's been the longest since I read um, those books. 
um, out of all of the the various Tolkien, not including the stuff that I haven't read. I haven't read all of like the Book of Lost Tales stuff and um, the the history of Middle Earth stuff. So I may end up reading some of that. I have the physical books for the the complete history of the Lord of the Rings, which is basically drafts of the Lord of the Rings. Um, but obviously I would want to read the kind of finished version of the Lord of the Rings before that, um, before reading that, um, I'd want to read the, the, the sort of finished version of the trilogy again to pick up on the differences better. Um, although it'd be, I think it, it's really interesting to read those draft works and the kind of unfinished works and kind of have a sense of like what, uh, what the process of creation was like. So anyway, um, yeah, let us get into, you've got Jason left more Collins because like he mentioned, he stopped after, he stopped before uh, Safer's call-in on the um, Middle Earth episode. And so we've got more to hear from Jason and then we're going to hear from Safer himself again. Hey, Earl and Jason again. So, yeah, I agree with Safer and what you're saying. I definitely think Gandalf is a charisma character. He wasn't sent to fix the problems of the people in Middle-earth. He was sent to help them fix their own problems, right? He was sent to... The wizards, the Isatar, whatever they're called. I'm in the car. But, you know, they were sent to provide guidance and support. They weren't sent to go be the big frontline fighters. They were the, you know, they were there to whisper in the ears of everybody else to help them overcome and solve these problems on their own, right? They were helped to support them. So I, I definitely think that that fills a charisma kind of role. Um, and I just, like I was saying before, I just don't know that a non-purpose built RPG models that very well, um, you know, out of necessity. So I would really enjoy hearing overviews of all those against Dark Master, the One Ring, Avengers of Middle-Earth. Um, as far as putting solo plays up on YouTube, obviously you have to do what's best for you and what you feel is best for your brand. Personally, I don't have time to watch YouTube for the most part, so I would much rather than be put here on Anchor as well um, as podcasts. I mean, I guess I can rip them off YouTube and, well, okay, I can't legally do that, so... You know, I, I I guess I would have to miss them, quote unquote. But you, you know, I don't have a. I'd rather be on anchor too, to be honest. But you have to do what's right for your brand, not for one one listener. But you know, I I can't be the only one who doesn't have time to watch YouTube. I don't know. But anyhow, keep up the great work. All right, once again, my buddy Jason calling in. Um, yeah, I'm glad you uh, liked and agree with Safer. I think he had a really good point about Gandalf as a charisma class uh, or a charisma based character. Um, I think even in um, against the uh, dark master, there's an interesting way um, because of what the skills are um, attached to, for instance, songs and tales, which is sort of one of your two kind of, history and culture skill. There's also a, a skill called cultures that's sort of um, your uh, 
cultural skill, but songs and tales is sort of your your history skill. Songs and tales is attached to bearing, which is the charisma equivalent, um, which is interesting um, and kind of makes for a character like Gandalf who is going to have, or if you're going to model Gandalf as a high charisma character, that that sort of fits, that Gandalf has this historical lore in the form not of kind of like studious scholarly um, research and interpretation, although he can do that definitely when he, when he needs to get down and dirty in the, the books, he can do that, but that his, um, his particular knowledge of history is attached to that charisma um, class skill essentially. So anyway, that um, I think is an interesting little tidbit about how the the game works and how um things could uh could uh be modeled in the game um yeah i'm glad you enjoyed i hope to do all those overviews we're gonna see um adventures in middle earth and the one ring in particular are i think a little more difficult just because they have a lot of books for all of those um, and so it's a little harder to um, cover everything in as much detail as I would like to, um, unless you're going to do like one overview per book, which would take a long time and be a lot of effort to reread each of those books and um, do one overview per book and all that sort of stuff. So more likely what I'm going to do is do like a core book overview and then one or two supplemental book overviews for one ring and adventures in middle earth. Um, because I've now, especially now that I've been running adventures in middle earth, I kind of have a better sense intuitively of some of the changes from five E and how, um, those are, uh, quality changes and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. Um, or those are quality changes in terms of modeling the, the kind of stories that adventures in middle earth is trying to model. I still, I still, one ring has a very special place in my heart. Um, and in all likelihood, nothing is going to change that. Um, to be honest, just because I, I really like One Ring so much, and I think it does such a good job of the particular kind of thematic style that it's going for. Um, but Adventures in Middle-Earth is definitely a, a solid game, and it's worth talking about. Um, as far as solo play up on Anchor, um, your call-in has uh, sort of convinced me that maybe it wouldn't be uh, as bad a thing as I kind of originally thought. Originally, I had put solo play episodes up on Anchor, and they were kind of out of the blue and didn't get a lot of listens, and I don't think they were labeled very well to make it clear that, like, hey, this is, you know, something else. Um, uh I might even, uh, I could potentially make like another anchor podcast and have it be just solo play, but I don't think I do solo play stuff enough to, um, justify that necessarily. I don't know. It's complicated. Uh, I'm trying to decide what would be the best for it, but I do, I do hear you, what you're saying, Jason, and I'm definitely thinking that putting up audio, 
of uh, those solo play episodes is probably a um, something that I could do on um, here on Anchor. Try to keep them. I would try to keep the the episodes to a little shorter. Probably do like two or three play sessions per adventure, essentially, and have each play session be you know twenty to forty minutes type thing, so that you get um, a fair bit of play but you don't have you know like a two-hour block of playing one game and just me droning on about it and that sort of stuff um so yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking about right now i'm really excited to get into solo play with with thalamir this character i've got sort of the first um the first set of adventures and or the first kind of adventure and um, ideas for the first kind of kind of path that he's going to go on. I've got a lot of ideas for that, and I've got some stuff. And I'm gonna. It's going to be a little bit. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun, I think, um, and and good for the the character. I've also got some kind of like personal house rules that I'm thinking of playing with. Um, And I'm going to talk about those when I get into um, solo playing with uh, Thalonmere. Um, the big one I'm going to do is that rules as written, you can only parry once per round. And I think that's a little silly. I, I'm going to let Thalonmere parry as many times as he wants, as long as it's taken away from... Basically, what you can do is shift from your combat um, attack bonus to a combat defense bonus, you shift points over by parrying. Um, but rules as written, you can only do it against one attack. If you have a shield, it counts as against all attacks um, from the direction that your shield is facing. Um, and I'm not going to give Thalonmere a shield, or I didn't give Thalonmere a shield. Um, he may end up picking up a shield at some point um, because a shield would be kind of useful. Um, but, uh, he, uh, I think is going to be a, um, basically what I'm going to let him do is like, if he gets attacked by two orcs, I'm going to let him parry twice and it just subtracts from the combat attack bonus both times. But he has a 95, a plus 95 combat attack bonus with his long sword in two hands. So, um, Hopefully, he will be able to effectively parry and strike. I'm a little worried having taken a look at some of the um, critical tables about the idea of having one character um, because some of the critical tables seem like they would make it really hard to kind of recover from the the issues. Um, and I don't want the story to just be Thalonmere goes out into the woods fights two orcs, gets criticaled, and has to do his best to kind of crawl back to Rivendell to heal up again and just do that over and over until he's tough enough to take on more stuff than that. That doesn't seem very fun to me um, and certainly not fitting for the uh, source material. So anyway, um, but yeah, solo stuff on Anchor. We'll see. Um, probably yes. Right now, that's where I'm leaning towards. Um, and in particular, I think what I'm going to do is do try to um, uh, 
label the episodes better and make it clear that like if you're not interested in that there will be other content for the people who are just interested in sort of the talky talky episodes and not interested in solo play episodes um because i want to to make it so that everybody can get what they want from my podcast and all that sort of stuff. And I know, I know some people are here more for theory stuff and some people are here for kind of everything. Um, and some people are here for more, um, like really enjoy the, the game recaps and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I really want, you know, everybody to, to get the the stuff that they want from the episode. So I'm going to try to figure out how to do that. And I think, I think labeling better is a big way to do that. And um, yeah. So anyway, thanks for the call in. It's always great to hear feedback about my plans, Jason, and that uh, you're obviously one of the, the most prolific callers in to the episode. So um as you say, it kind of can't do thing everything for, for one guy when I've got multiple listeners. But I think I can make an exception for you, Jason, because you call in all the time and provide so much content for the podcast um, and are a good friend in general and all that sort of stuff, you know, that, you know, maybe that matters a little bit. Um, anyway. Yeah, uh, we have another call in from Safer, SFC Safer Fantasy Crafting, um, who called in about the Middle Earth episode. So um, let us get into that. Hello all, and it's just Safer here. I just wanted to say uh, thank you for uh, your responses to my uh, suggestions and ideas about Gandalf in Middle Earth. Um, really enjoyed the episode. Thank you. I, I think often with sort of iconic characters, that everybody knows you often have to mix and match and sometimes massage the rules to get the, the flavour of the character right. And you often, you sometimes you have to create your own rules for really iconic legendary figures to make them fit into a role-playing game. But I thought it was a great episode, all in, uh, uh, really enjoy, and a great exercise also, an example in how to um, think analytically about like literary sources and other influences into role-playing games and how to apply them to a role-playing game. So great episode, great stuff, really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, Safer Fantasy Crafting. Yeah, thanks for calling in, man. I, uh, I'm i really glad you enjoyed I um, had a lot of fun, like I mentioned, with that episode, so it's great to hear that the, the various people who, or the people that I've heard from about it, um, who listened to it seemed to uh, enjoy that episode as well. Um, that's always fun. I definitely agree. Iconic characters in RPGs um, can be a really hard thing to uh, model effectively, um, especially if you're playing, especially depending on what kind of system you're playing and how kind of the structure of characters works. Um, I'm thinking particularly of with like a class-based system. That was sort of what uh, a lot of the discussion was about is what essentially what class is Gandalf, whether Gandalf is a, um, is actually a wizard class or if he's like a, almost like, uh, uh, for instance, in D&D terms, in fifth edition terms, maybe even like a bard with like a couple of low level spells and cantrips, but he has high charisma 
and has like a bardic inspiration die that he can give to people to sort of like inspire them to greater things and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that's a, that's sort of a potential, um, option for Gandalf too, that I, I had not, um, really kind of put together until this moment. Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm really glad you enjoyed. Thanks for adding to the, uh, the episode on kind of middle earth and Gandalf and all that sort of stuff. I felt like your, your comments were really good and kind of pushed the discussion in a direction that it wouldn't have otherwise taken. So, um, you know, call in anytime, man. Anytime you got something to say, feel free to call in. And that goes, of course, for all my listeners. It's always great to hear from you guys when you have been listening. And um, especially great to hear that you liked the episodes. But it's also okay to hear that you didn't like an episode. If you want to call in about that, that's uh, okay, too. Um or that you disagree with me or anything like that. Um, there may be some of that coming up by which I mean, I've got kind of a, a, um, a, a project that I'm working on for the podcast. In addition to the solo play stuff that I'm going to talk about. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to talk about it right now. Um, basically I've been thinking a lot about the nature of agency within a game versus agency in real life. Um, in particular, the way that we discuss agency and what it comes down to really is a discussion of um, what it what it sort of started with for me was a, a, a kind of examination of a couple of different types of moments within games or within um, gameable kind of real world examples or or legendary mythological examples in in the case of one of them it's, it's kind of semi-legendary um unclear whether authorities actually existed or not although we can we can hope that uh he existed um anyway and and sort of an examination of some of those moments and trying to figure out how not just how to game those but what is going on on the level of player agency with those scenes uh, or with those types of moments. And um, I think there's a really interesting kind of, not necessarily a complete reinterpretation of agency, but a, a different, a restatement of the nature of agency that allows for a much more kind of unified theory about agency across a lot of different role-playing games in a way that before I think often um, because of the nature of the discussion, what happens is that each sort of game identifies or each a game or kind of theory of game identifies kind of its own particular version of the expression of agency rather than the nature of agency as a whole within the game. And uh, that, right, it's like the difference between knowing that um, water turns into steam and knowing that um, solids and liquids and gases are all forms of the same material, right? 
one of them is sort of direct empirical knowledge and one of them is much more kind of in, in this case it's scientific knowledge but it's, it's sort of a theoretical understanding um, based on that empirical knowledge a sort of second step to it I think and I think that's what I'm kind of going for with my discussion of agency um, and I fully expect that there are probably going to be people who don't agree with um, what I come up with so um, yeah, that's sort of a, a possibility too. Um, anyway, um, but that's sort of the next big thing for the podcast, aside from the solo play stuff with Thalonmere and the potential, um, overviews for One Ring and Adventures in Middle Earth, um, that I would really like to do this kind of, and I'm, I'm working on, I've sort of done the first episode and I see it as kind of two or three different episodes to talk about all the stuff I want to talk about. Um, the first one is uh, coming soon. I need to re-listen to it to make sure it's not complete gibberish. Um, but yeah, that's sort of what is coming um, up on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Um, and I think we've, we've gotten way off Safer's call-in. Um, once again, thank you for calling in. I really felt like your... Um, calling in now and calling in about the uh for the the gandalf episode itself because i really felt like your call-in helped shape the discussion in a really positive way um so thank you for that um and we will get into the outro now all right that's it that's the whole episode that's all i got for you today hope you have enjoyed the episode if you want to get in contact with me, I am at Cows from Powis on Twitter. I'm here on Anchor, anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland. I have a YouTube channel live from Pelham's Wasteland where you can watch videos that I do. Um, and I'm on a bunch of discords. And if you're listening to this podcast, odds are pretty good that you are on at least one of those discords and can get in contact with me there. Um, yeah, hope you enjoyed. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.